welcome. Welcome to Colorado, Desperation. So good to see all of you. So good that you're here. Say, enjoy Colorado. We're, we're, every year, honestly, this is no, I'm, I'm not making this up. This is the highlight of what we do at, at, at New Life. We love having you here. We love hosting you. We're glad you're here. We hope you're meeting with God already. Hey, I want to make a quick uh, announcement. Uh, we have a leadership conference for pastors, for volunteers, for worship leaders in September this year. And today, because you're at Desperation, we're going to give you a half price off. So you go by our Desperation Leadership Conference booth. It's out there by, I think it's by the bathroom, because that's where everybody has to go at least twice a day. So we got the prime spot. So go out there. And because you're at Desperation, tell your senior pastor, all the volunteers at your church, your worship team to come back in September for half off. And pick up one of these little cards that's got a code on it, 50% off, all right? All right, good morning. So we'll open up your Bibles already, okay? Turn to Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to be in 1 Corinthians in just a minute, but turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to talk to you this morning, just for a few minutes, about something that radically changed the way I follow Jesus. I mean, radically changed the way I talk to Jesus, the way I pray to Jesus, the way I related to people. It changed the way, I'm a, the way I'm a husband to my wife, Pam. It changed the way I became a father to Abram and Callie. It changed the way I related to every single person in my life. God did something. I was, uh, let me tell you a quick story. I was, I was a young guy. Uh, I had an, an older guy that was kind of mentoring me and walking with me. And, and I just want to encourage all of you to find someone that can speak into your life. Maybe it's your parents or youth pastor or someone. But all of us need mentors. We all need people, young older people in our lives that have been further down the road than us. And God had put this man in my life and we were sitting, uh, we, I remember after church one Sunday, he asked me to come pray with him. You know, the, sometimes maybe at your church, you have people to come down front and pray for people after the service. And so he said, Hey, just come stand by me and, uh, let's pray for people as they come forward. And, and, uh, that's a good way for us to get to know each other. So that's so great. So I'm standing there by him and this woman comes down and stands in front of us and she, uh, she asked us for prayer for something else, like her marriage or, or maybe some, one of her kids or something. And so we're praying for her. And while I'm praying for her, I just got this picture, like a really loud, clear picture in my mind that something was wrong with her eyesight. Now, she, I didn't have any indication she wasn't wearing glasses or anything. But I, so I'm praying for her marriage or her kids or something. And I stopped, right in the middle of the prayer, I just stopped and said, hey, I just had this strange impression that you're really concerned about your eyesight. Is there something I can pray for you about? Is there something going on with your eyes that, that I can pray with you about? And then she got these tears. These tears started coming down her eyes. And she had just gone to the doctor that week. And the doctor had given her some really bad news about her eyes. And she was concerned that she might lose the sight in one of her eyes. And you can imagine how that's, that's terrifying to think that you might go blind. And she hadn't told anybody. She had told her close family, but she hadn't told me or anyone in the church. And so right in the middle of us praying for her marriage, I pray and said, is there something going on with your eyes? How can I pray for your eyesight? And we laid hands on her, prayed over her, and something miraculous happened. She, uh, she didn't lose her eyes. I mean, her eyes were healed. She got better. Uh, she, she just, something happened miraculous in her life. And I was just a young guy praying for this woman. Now, look, that's the first time I had ever happened to me. And so I, I didn't really think anything about it. So we prayed for a few other people. And my mentor pulled me aside and he said, Brady, that was, uh, the Lord really used you there. He said, did you know you had a prophetic gift? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never even heard that word. He said, Brady, I think you have this gift of prophecy and God wants to use you to speak to you through you to other people. And I said, I, I said, I think you got the wrong guy. I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. 
And, 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 and so from that time on, something began to like to stir in my heart, to grow in my heart. And as I was praying about what to share with you this morning, I want to share with you about the gift of prophecy. About I believe there's sitting in this room today, there are young men and women that God wants to stir that up in you today. God wants to awaken that in you, maybe for the first time. Maybe for the first time today, you're going to realize that God is a speaking God. And we are a listening people. God, God said that he would speak and that we would hear him. And, 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 and that, to me, just blows my mind. That, that gives me an entirely new imagination for what it means to follow Jesus. And I was a young guy. I heard Pastor David's message last night. And I grew up like Pastor David. I was in church three or four times a week with my parents. I was always there. And I knew about Jesus. I could tell you stories about the Bible. I could explain the Bible to you. But I didn't realize that God could speak to me and that I could hear him. And I was around your age when I really began to have this new imagination that God really could speak and that I could really have the ability to hear him. And it didn't require me to be older. It didn't require anything other than just listening ears, the, the desire to hear him. And from that time on, something ignited inside of me, exploded inside of me. Let me ask you a question this morning. This is something I want you to think about. When was the last time... That God did something so radical in your life that it required an explanation. See, what's what happens in our lives, we're told to fit in. And, and we spend most of our time trying to fit in. We, we spend most of our time trying to be anonymous, in fact, trying to not to stand out. But God, the kingdom of heaven, oftentimes requires a public explanation for what happened. When was the last time that something so radical happened in, a, in your small group or maybe in your prayer time? Or when was the last time that something so radical happened at your youth meeting or at your church that it required a public explanation? The kingdom of heaven can't be put in a, a, a tidy little box. The kingdom of heaven can't be put into a nice little uh, safe place. The kingdom of heaven is explosive. The kingdom of heaven requires an explanation. So I want to I I show you the very first sermon that was preached at the very first church in Acts chapter 2. Go there to Acts chapter 2. Let me tell you what happened. In, in, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus kind of walks outside the city of Jerusalem. He's standing there with his disciples and something crazy happens. He starts ascending into heaven, literally coming off the ground, going into the sky. This is what happens. And right before he does that, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, go to Jerusalem and wait there. Don't go anywhere. Stay right there in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he said, you're going to then go into all of the world and be my witnesses. But don't move. Don't try this without the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, please listen to me this morning. Do not try to follow Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. It cannot happen. You were not designed, listen very carefully, you were not designed to follow Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot follow Jesus without the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't even send his own disciples into the world without it. He would not even think of sending you back into your school. He would not even think of sending you back into your family. He would not even think of sending you back into your city without the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. And so they did exactly what Jesus asked. They went back into Jerusalem to an upstairs room, a stuffy little room that probably was poorly ventilated and hot and dry. And, and amazingly, these 
group of people stayed there for several days and just prayed together and fasted and waited, waited on the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, one day in a prayer meeting, like a lot of the prayer meetings that you're in, just a common everyday prayer meeting, it says that the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them like a rushing mighty wind and a wind came into that place. And then for all of them began to speak in other languages and tongues and fire came upon their head. This crazy story, read it for yourself. It's in the Bible. So fire, like, like cloven tongues of fire, it said, came upon their head and rushing wind came through the room and they began to speak in these other languages and the people outside began to hear their own languages being spoken. And so a crowd began to gather around this prayer meeting. And, and a lot of the people out in the crowd thought that the people inside were drunk. Something was happening that required an explanation. This is the kingdom of heaven. If you are not living your life, it, it, our lives, when lived for Jesus, require an explanation. And so Peter steps out and says, he gives the explanation. Go Acts chapter 2, look at verse 16. He, he looks at the crowd, the, the crowd that thinks they're drunk. Verse 16 says, no, what, this is the first sermon in the first church. What you see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, in 2013, God said, I will pour out my spirit. Now listen, this language here is from the book of Joel. It's Hebrew language. But pour out is, is talking about big jugs of water, big containers, 20 gallons of water. It's not talking about spoons. He's not talking about small measures. When he says, I'm going to pour it out, literally, it's like two big guys picking up a giant water thing and pouring 20 gallons of water over you. So it, it's in it's an abundance. I'm going to pour it out. And you're going to know, by the way, sometimes you don't know like when you're having sprinkles of water on you. But let me tell you something. If I poured 20 gallons of water on you, you would know it. And he said, I'm going to pour it out like 20 gallons of water on you. I'm going to pour it out upon all people. And then when I read this, I was about 20 years old. And this is why it stirred this in my heart. Listen to the language here. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. He said, let me tell you what the mark of the kingdom of heaven is going to be in these last days. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon a group of young people. High school, junior high, college, and 20-somethings, young people... The Holy Spirit's going to be poured out upon them in huge measures. And what's going to, what will mark them, what was, what, what's going to happen in that group of young people is they're going to prophesy. They're going to begin to speak on my behalf. Their voices, they're going to, they're going to raise their voices. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And then he repeats himself. Anytime in the Bible that the Bible repeats itself, pay very close attention when the Bible repeats itself. And so Peter is, again, reciting something out of the book of Joel. He says, and in those days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Again, he's repeating himself to make sure we're getting this. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? I mean, the Bible has been very clear here that in the last days, the mark of Christ's followers, what's going to identify Christ's followers in the last days is that the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out upon them and young men, old men, men and women alike are going to have this ability to prophesy on his behalf. 
All right, so let's, let's take a, I want to really help you understand this because I think the word prophecy, and when I say prophesy, there's, there's a thousand definitions and a lot of them are just wrong. A lot of you have seen crazy stuff. A lot of you have seen this spiritual gift abused. Listen, it, it would make perfect sense to me that if this is going to be the distinguishing mark of Christ followers in the last day, if I were the enemy, if I were Satan, I'd want to confuse people about this gift. I'd want to create some craziness around this gift to make people reject it, to make people walk away from it. If this is going to be the mark of the last day's tribe of Christ followers, then I would try to confuse this. I'd try to make this muddy waters and I'd try to make people reject it because I don't want this to be true. And listen, the, the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. Let's get that straight, okay? You may have seen some craziness, but don't put that on God. People are goofy. People are weird. The Holy Spirit's not weird. The Holy Spirit may be unpredictable. The Holy Spirit might not be able to be put in a nice little box, but it's not weird. It's people that are weird. Let's not confuse the two, all right? All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 real quickly. 1 Corinthians 14. Paul is starting a church here in this town of Corinth. And, he, and Paul understood very clearly that if the kingdom of heaven was going to come, then the, this prophecy out of the book of Joel, this declaration that Peter made in Acts chapter 2 is going to have to be true in Corinth. And right away, listen, right away in Corinth, these spiritual gifts began to be abused. Right off, the, I mean, right away, the people in Corinth got this wrong. And so Paul had to write a letter back to this church, this young church, and say, listen, guys. Prophecy is something that's going to distinguish us as Christ followers in the last days. But let's get this settled. Let's make sure we're doing it correctly. And so he gives some very careful instructions, all right? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, follow the way of love. In other words, everything we have to do is, is, is couched in love. Everything has to be done with love. And eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you eagerly desire spiritual gifts? Can I just see a hand this morning that there's a a growing hunger, an an awakening, an awareness in your life that you're created more than just to take up space, that you're not just an assimilation of chromosomes and DNA, that maybe God has breathed on you and placed spiritual gifts in you while you're in the womb of your mother. The Holy Spirit came to the womb of your mother and crafted in you these spiritual gifts and that you're this morning, I'm praying that that awakens in you that something happens in you that, that like, like John the Baptist, when John the Baptist was in the womb of Elizabeth, his mother, when Jesus, when, when, his, when Mary walked in, it says that he recognized that Jesus was in the womb of his mother and suddenly he leapt inside of his womb. That's what I'm hoping this morning is something begins to leap inside of you that you're, you're spiritual beings, you're human beings, but you're spiritual beings with spiritual gifts. And Paul says, eagerly desire these spiritual gifts. And there's a big comma here and it says, especially the gift of prophecy. Isn't that amazing that Peter said, Peter said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all people and they will prophesy. It's going to be the distinguishing mark of my people in the last days. And in Paul, later on, as he's starting his church in Corinth, looks, writes this letter to his congregation and says, listen, have a hunger in your heart for spiritual gifts. In in fact, want all of them, desire all of them, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, tongues and interpretation of tongues, leadership and mercy. All those gifts are great. He said, but the one I really want you to hunger after, the spiritual gift that I really want you to lean into this morning is the gift of prophecy. Why? 
Why all this fuss about one of the spiritual gifts? I mean, there's 20 or 30 spiritual gifts. They're all mentioned in the New Testament. Why is so much attention given to one gift? Why did Peter and Joel and Paul all say, if you're going to be marked as a Christ follower in the last days, the one gift that I really want you to lean into, I want you to desire all of them. None of them are unimportant, but the one I really want you to get, the one I really want you to discover, the gift of prophecy. I'm going to tell you why. Verse 3 tells us why right here. Look at verse 3. This tells us why this gift is so important. Verse 3, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Will you say those three words with me? Strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Let's say it one more time. Strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Let me just say this this morning. I I walked around. I've been walking around this morning. I woke up this morning, and I prayed this prayer this morning. I pray this prayer almost every morning. I'm going to give you a way to pray today to... That's going to change the way you walk with Jesus, okay? Will you write this down? It's very, very simple, but I want you to write this prayer down. I woke up this morning, and I said, Lord, Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, what are you doing today at desperation? And how can I cooperate? What are you doing today? I came in, I came in with notes. I came in with a, a plan. But I'm willing to lay all that down today, Lord. It, it, I, I'm here today to pay attention. I'm here today, I came into this building today with ears to hear. I came into this building today with eyes to see and a heart to believe and a mind to understand. So Father in heaven, what are you doing in my world today? This is a dangerous prayer, a fun prayer, a radical prayer. If you want to pray this, my awakening prayer most days is this. Father, what are you doing in my world today and how can I help you? In other words, I'm not, I'm not asking God to come into my world. I'm, a, I'm asking God to let me into his world. It's, it's, a, it's a radical different way of praying. Oftentimes our prayers are, God, here's what I need you to do for me. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with praying like that. But it can't be our primary prayer. It can't be the, it's not the most important prayer. The most important thing you can pray is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, God. God, your kingdom is coming. Your kingdom is arriving all around us. Now, how can I participate? How can I come into that? How can I cooperate with what you're doing in the world that's all around me? Lord, what are you doing today at Desperation? How can I help? What can I do? What can I say? What am I listening for today, Lord? And when I begin to pray, I prayed that prayer 20 years ago. And now, on most days, when I, now it changes the way I look at people. It changes the way I, I, I relate to people. Walking, I went walking to the grocery store last night, 7.30 p.m. I had to go pick up a few things. I'm walking through and I said, Lord, what are you doing in the grocery store tonight? And how can I help? It gives you a way to see people. Now I'm walking around with ears to hear this. I'm, I'm fascinated still. I've been following Christ now for 25 years. And I'm still fascinated that God would speak and that I could hear him. And that I might be able to be a part of what he's doing on the earth. You know, why, you know why most people fall away from God? Can I just be honest with you? Why most of your friends, maybe some of your friends, maybe your family, you know why people fall away from God? It's because they get bored. They've lost their fascination with who God is. I've been following, I'm 46 years old. I know I look 36, I know that. I, already, I, I see that coming from you. But, but I've been following God for a while now and I'm still fascinated. I'm still enamored with this. I'm so fascinated. 
I'm still fascinated with my wife. I'm still fascinated with my kids. I'm still fascinated with the local church that I get to pastor. It's fascination. It's wonder that keeps me connected with the living God. I'm still amazed that he wants to speak to me. And that I could hear him. And that he'd want me to strengthen and encourage and comfort people. You know how many people that are sitting right around you right now that are just weak? They feel discouraged. They may be sad. They've lost something. They may have lost something very near and dear to them. And they just need someone to speak to them. They just need someone to give them a word. They just need someone to listen to God for them and with them. So here's three questions. If you're... If you're serious about this gift, and I think the Bible is very clear, I think I've made a a strong case this morning that this gift is is serious and important. When I'm around a group of people, even I'm walking through today, there's three questions that I'm always asking. I want to give you these three questions today. If you want to start a life that is fun, exciting, full of adventure, then begin to ask yourself these three questions when you're around a group of people and then begin to listen to what God says. Here's question number one. Write this question down when you're around a group of people. If the spiritual gift of prophecy is meant to strengthen, to encourage and comfort, then here's the question. Question number one is this. What, Lord, have you destined them to do? Lord, how can I strengthen them? How can I strengthen the people? around them. What have you destined them to do? You put that up on the screen, put that question up. What have you destined? God, what have you destined them to do? All right, listen to that. Leave that up on you. Write it down. What, What is it, Lord, that I can come alongside them right now? Lord, you have a calling on all of our lives. We're all on this road of following Jesus and we all get tired and weary along the way and we just need someone to come and give us a cup of water. We need someone to come alongside us and encourage us, to strengthen us. What have you destined them to do? When Pam and I were a young married couple, we had a, it was just really strange one day. I was praying. Pam and I almost simultaneously, we were praying together and the Lord spoke to us. It seemed at the time so strange and, and almost selfish the way God spoke to us. And we were, again, we didn't have any kids. We were just married. And the Lord said, Brady, one day, you and Pam, you're going to have a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. Now, I have reddish hair. Pam and I both have blue eyes. And so we thought, well, good. That's, that makes sense, you know, that when we get married, we're going to have kids. And, and our biological kid is probably going to have reddish hair like I do. And we're going to have blue eyes. I get all that. And then we found out we couldn't have any kids. Doctors told us, you're just not going to have any kids. You're physically not able. You've got too many things going wrong. And there's just no way you're going to have kids. And our hearts were just broken. And yet every time I prayed, I kept hearing this same promise from the Lord. You're going to have a little girl one day with red curly hair and blue eyes. And it kept coming to me loud and clear from the Lord. And it, was, it went on for years. Literally almost 10 years of marriage. We weren't, no kids. No kids in sight. And, and I, I, I got tired of it. I, w- I was just, I, I felt I got mad at God because he kept, every time I'd pray about kids, I'd get this clear picture in my mind, little girl, red curly hair, blue eyes. I felt like God was teasing me or God was, I don't I didn't know. I thought, I didn't know if it was the enemy trying to torment me or, or God was playing a bad joke on me because we couldn't have kids. And I'd given up on it. In fact, I got mad every time I heard it. I said, God, quit saying that to me unless you're going to do it. I, I got angry because I, I, I felt like I had this promise from God that was delayed. And one day I got this call from a, a guy that Pam and I knew. And we'd never told, 
Honestly, Pam and I had never told anyone about this. It was very private between the two of us. One day, you're going to have a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. And a friend called me one day, and I just thought of this yesterday. I'd forgotten all about this, but he called me one day and he said, hey, Brady, I need to talk to you, and I need to talk to you soon, like really soon. All right. So we met, and he said, Brady, this is really weird. He said, you're going to think I'm insane. He said, but listen, I can't shake this. i got to tell you this. This is craziness. He said, but you and Pam are going to have a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. You know how how much courage it took for him to say that? How foolish that could have sounded if none of that would have happened? But he he was so nervous. I just remember him looking at us, and I I started weeping. I mean, I I just, because I'd given up on it. I needed someone to come alongside me and strengthen me. To just give me hope again that, God, I was hearing you, that I really was hearing God, that I wasn't just being foolhardy. I wasn't, and it's my friend out of the blue. He goes, Brady, I know this is going to sound crazy to you. And I, I, hope it, I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you. But you're going to have a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. Not long after that, a 19-year-old college girl was pregnant. She found out that Pam and I would love to adopt. Now, by this time, we'd already had a little boy, Abram. Abram had already come into our lives, and he, he was such a joy. And he's a little Italian boy. We got it as a baby. He's 14 now. He's got green eyes, dark skin. He's a black belt in Taekwondo. He's just awesome young man. I love him. But we had this, we had this, uh, but we had this thing in our heart. You're gonna have, one day you're going to have a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. Well, Abram was everything but a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. <laughs> And we, but, but we were not disappointed. We loved Abram. We were crazy about Abram. But he wasn't a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. And nor did I want to make him a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. And then my friend came to me and said, Brady, you're about to have a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. This 19-year-old college girl called us. She was nine months pregnant. She had, I'll never forget the first time we met her. We met her in the mall, and she had this beautiful red curly hair. She had fascinating blue eyes, 19 years old. She met with Pam and I said, I'm nine months pregnant. I said, we didn't notice. I mean, she's huge. I mean, you're like, <laughs> and um, she said, I, I want to go back to college and I can't raise this baby. And it's a little girl. Did you take it? I said, we'll pray about it. Yes. <laughs> and three weeks later, we went to the hospital Two o'clock in the morning, she went into labor. The doctor gave birth and handed the baby to me. A little girl, a little red curly hair, blue eyes. I'm going to show you a picture of her. She's 12 today. This is a picture of Callie. Callie's on the left. That's my wife on the right. <laughs> That's my wife of 24 years, Pam. And there's our little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. Let me say this. Listen, I'm, thank God. And all you boys, stay away from her. She's, she's cute. Let me say this to you, though. I gave up on all that. But a friend of mine who heard the Lord came to me just a few weeks, few days before all that happened and strengthened me. It's radical what God wants to do when people will listen Here's the second question. Here's the second question. Question number one is, what have you destined them to do? Lord, how can I strengthen them? What's, what's the calling on their life and how can I strengthen them? Here's the second question. 
What have you already spoken to them that needs confirmation? How can I encourage them? How can I confirm what you're doing? How can I confirm the call that's on their life? I want to call destiny out of them, and I want to confirm the call that's on their life. How can I encourage them? And so I, I spoke, this is a similar message, when, in a little small group one night, I was sharing this, this message with a group of people, and there was a guy that, in there, he's a, he was a blue-collar guy, he, he worked at a local hotel, and he was kind of the chief bellhop, kind of the guy that oversaw the bellhops, the concierge, and the baggage handlers in this big hotel in Dallas. And he, he, he started praying, Lord, what are you doing in my hotel today and how can I help you? He, he started praying that prayer, Lord, what are you doing in the lobby of my hotel and how can I cooperate with you? That's radical, right? I mean, it wasn't in a church building. It wasn't anything special. He said, I'm, I, I'm God, this is a job I have. It's in a hotel. You're here. What can I do? And one morning, a group of pastors from El Salvador were getting out of a van. They were staying at the hotel that week, and they were there as a part of a big pastor's conference. And they were from from Central America, and and they were getting their bags out of this van, and they were walking into the hotel, and there my friend was. And this one particular pastor walked by him, and and he says, it's, it's like a loud voice, like a loud thought came to him. And he said, go tell that pastor right now, go tell that pastor to dig now, my friend, my friend had never done this, right? He'd never given anybody a word like that. He says, God, you want me to go? I don't even know if the guy speaks English. I, I don't, I don't, I've never met him. I'm the bellhop at the hotel. You want me to go up to this stranger and tell him to dig? Can you give me a sentence? Like a whole sentence? He goes, no, just say one word to him. Dig. He said, I'm not, I can't do that. He said, and my, my friend felt embarrassed because he said, I've been praying that prayer. Lord, what are you doing in my hotel lobby and how can I cooperate? And he says, all right, this is how you can cooperate with me. Go tell that pastor one word, dig. God, I can't do that. What if, what if I'm foolish? What if I look stupid and foolish? And so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, every time that pastor would walk through the lobby, he would hear this one word, Dig. Loud, And it got louder as the week went on, he said. Couldn't sleep at night. He knew they were leaving on Thursday afternoon. Sure enough, Thursday afternoon, they got all their bags in the hotel lobby. They've been to the conference all week. These pastors are about to get in a van and fly back to El Salvador. He's got one more chance to be obedient. And he said, okay, God, if I'm foolish, I'm foolish for you. So he walks up to the pastor. He says, um, you know, I work here at the hotel. I know you're a pastor. You know, how can I, how can I, you know, I want, I want to, I got a word for you. I don't know how to say this. And, my, and, he, and the guy spoke English, broken English. He says, well, just tell me, what, what, what do you have to say? He says, okay, I have just one word for you. Dig. And the pastor goes, excuse me? He said, yeah, I knew that would sound foolish. He said, he said what did you just say? He said, dig. Did you say dig? Yeah, Dig. All the the color went out of this pastor's face. He said, are you telling me God spoke to you to come tell me that word, dig? He said, that's what I heard. I've been hearing all week long. Every time you walk by me in the lobby, I've only heard one word. I've been asking for a sentence the whole week. That's it. I've got one word for you. (laughs) Dig. And the pastor goes, you won't believe this. He said, when I came here, I came here on Monday, 
but the Sunday before, we had a big meeting with our church because our church is really growing. A lot of people are coming to Christ in my little town, my little village. We're out of room. Our building is full. We don't have any more space. And so we had, we had a big meeting on Sunday night before I came here. And he said, we had two options. He said, we have a piece of property that we could buy like five miles outside of town. But the people there are very poor. They walk everywhere they go. And he said, it was going to be a real hardship, especially in the rainy season, for all of our people to walk five miles to church. He said, so that was one option is to buy that property and build a bigger building. He said, but option, the option that we we're really praying about is that we're, our building where it is, we, if we dig out the back of the mountain, we can expand our building. But we didn't know what to do. He said, we were trying to decide, do we dig out the back of the mountain and expand our building? Or do we buy this property that's five miles outside of town? And I told my congregation, I'm going away to this pastor's conference. Let's pray this week. When we, when we get back, let's ask the Lord to speak to us clearly what we should do. Buy the land outside of town or dig. That's a true story. That's my blue collar friend, bellhop at a hotel in, in Dallas, walks up to me and says, it's going to sound crazy. Dig. Crazy, isn't it? All right, here's the third question. And this is a great one. And this is the one I get most often, by the way. I, I hear the answer to this question most often. What have they experienced? What pain have they experienced? What what have they experienced in life that you need to comfort today, Lord? Our world, put that up there real quick. What have they experienced that you want to comfort, Lord? What, what, what place, what area of their life is broken right now? Listen, we live in such a broken world. You wouldn't believe how much brokenness is sitting in the room right now. I can feel it. There's brokenness, abuse, disappointment, a loss. And, and the Holy Spirit's called the great comforter. This is one of the marvelous works of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit comes to broken people. And he has this amazing ability to comfort us when the words of people may fall flat. Even, even sincere people, their words fall flat many times when our hearts are so broken. But it's the Holy Spirit that comes to us and he has this ability to comfort us. About this time a year ago, I was... I was in a church, another church, and there was a couple there, and I just felt, every time I looked at them, I just felt, man, they're so sad. And they didn't look sad, they, I just felt it. I just could begin to feel the sadness that was on them. So I, just, I, I gave them a word, I said to them, I said, you, you guys have given up on something. Try one, I said, try one more time. God is with you. Just try one more time. You've, you've written something off that God wants to put back on the table. And I prayed over them and, and they said, Pastor Brady, I had no way of knowing this. I didn't, I didn't know anything about them, really, about this situation. I, I knew who they were, but I didn't know what was going on with them. And he said, this is so strange. He said, this morning, he said, we're, we, we've never been able to have kids, ever. And she, the, the, the wife, she has all kinds of medical problems, has really struggled with her 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 health for a lot of years, and she said they've spent tens of thousands of dollars on fertilization, trying to get pregnant, and that morning, sitting at their breakfast table, they said, we, we give up. We're not going to try. We're, we're tired, we're, we're out of money, and we're hopeless, and let's just stop all this. Let's stop the madness. God, we're not going to do this anymore. And then that night, I came to him and said, you're sad, aren't you? You're broken. I got good news for you. 
the Lord says, try one more time. And they, they called their doctor back, and it's a very expensive in vitro kind of thing that they were doing, thousands of dollars, and they tried it several times, and it had failed every time, and they were on the verge of being out of money for that. And so they called their doctor the next day. After I gave them that word that night, they called the doctor the next day and said, we're going to try one more time. They scheduled an appointment, went through the whole process, and in about, I don't know, three or four weeks, they're about to have their first baby. And they did, I can't wait to meet it. Listen, I, I, I can, honestly, I can tell you a hundred stories. I, I, I have more stories to tell you than I could, I have time to tell you this morning. I got, I have so many stories of the Lord using that gift. I can see now why this gift is so critical to us as a body of believers. To strengthen, to encourage, to comfort. It should be the defining, distinguishing mark of the followers of Christ right now. A listening people leaning in to hear a speaking God. Listen to what I said. A listening people leaning in to hear a speaking God. A listening people leaning in to hear a speaking God. I think today the Lord, I know for a fact that the Holy Spirit's here among us today. And He's looking for somebody in this room today. It may only be a handful of you. This is too radical. Listen, you're not going to fit in by doing this. This is risky. Sometimes it's going to, you're going to mess up. You want to hear a funny story real quick? Because I want to tell you that I haven't gotten all, always gotten this right, okay? You want to hear a funny story? Just to t- let you know that I've really messed, messed up a couple times, like a hundred times. So I'm in, a, I'm in a church one time, and I'm young. I'm just starting to use this gift. It's kind of dark in here like this, you know? And, and, um, and, and so I was just looking around the, the congregation, and way in the back. I remember, I'm really new to this, but I'm really, I'm, I have faith for it, you know? I'm eager. I want to do this. And um, so I said, hey, you in the back, you in the back. And, I, and th- this person was wearing a, kind of a, it looked very masculine, like what, boy clothes, all right? So I, I said, yeah, you with the, and I, I, I described what this person was wearing. I said, yeah, you young man, yeah, you young man, yeah, the young man right here, the young man right here, yeah, you're wearing that. And everybody's looking around, it's like, well, it turns out it's a young woman, you know? So, um, and then when she stood up, it was obviously she was a young woman. I'm totally embarrassed, you know, because I'm convinced that's a man. But it wasn't. It was a woman. And now I'm embarrassed. I look foolish. And, and now I'm stuttering. And I can't get the words out. And, and <laughs> anyway, there's, a, there's stories like that that, yeah, you're going to make mistakes sometimes. Sometimes you're just not going to get it right. And, but my, my motives were pure. I, I wanted to encourage her. I wanted to strengthen her. I wanted to comfort her. But I got it all wrong. One time I had a friend of mine, he was, this, this is, he didn't have the excuse of him being a long way away. In fact, these, this was a, a, a young woman sitting on the front row who had a gigantic engagement ring on her left finger, okay? Like a gigantic diamond on her left hand. And he calls her and tells her to stand up and says, this is the word he gave to her. Keep waiting on Mr. Wright because you haven't found him yet. Well, the guy is sitting right there next to her. 
and she's got a gigantic diamond ring on her left hand. It turns out it wasn't Mr. Right. But the point is that you can... Don't do that. That's not a public word, right? That's a word you go to her privately with, not in front of her whole church. Because she had just announced their engagement like a few days before. We didn't know that. And Mr. Wright sitting there all embarrassed. And I said, didn't you not notice the gigantic rock on her left hand? That's typically for engagement in America. Listen, I can tell you a hundred stories of this going terribly wrong, but I can tell you much more stories of it going really well. So if you're, you're in for a great adventure, the Lord's here today to stir this gift up in all of us. You know what I find fascinating about the scriptures that we read? He says that he wants to pour it out, pour it out upon everyone. Yes. Everyone. Men and women, young and old. This gift is here today if you want it. And it radically changed the way I follow Jesus. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the most fascinating most fun thing that I get to do as a pastor, honestly. I get to preach a lot. I enjoy preaching. I enjoy leading. I enjoy doing all those things. But the most fun thing that I get to do as a follower of Christ is this gift of prophecy when it stirs in me. It's the most exciting, most fascinating thing I get to do. Some of you are here today and you're bored out of your mind. And you're, you're just tired of hearing stories about the Bible and Jesus when it's not real to you. And today, you're here, you're marked. God marked this day as a day where he's going to stir up this gift in you. And he's about to literally change your direction. He's going to, you're going here, but you're about to go here. And it's going to change the way you walk. It's going to change the way you listen. It's going to change the way you talk. A listening people leaning in to hear a speaking God. Would you close your eyes just for a moment and pray over you? It's time to respond to this. I, I just feel it. some of you need to respond. Say yes. I remember my friend telling me that, Brady, you got a prophetic gift. God wants to use you like this. It was that day I just felt something stirring inside of me. Would you just say to the Lord today, Father, give me ears to hear. That's all. This is a prayer, okay? Pray this prayer with me. Father, give me ears to hear. Give me eyes to see. Give me a heart to believe. Give me a mind that understands all that you're saying and all that you're doing. Father, I believe that you're speaking. I believe that I can hear you. Father, I believe that you want to strengthen and encourage and comfort all the people in my world. So, Father, if you will speak, I will listen and I will obey. If you're here today and you want to say yes to this, will you just stand where you are right now? It's gonna, listen, you're going to be marked, okay? You're going to be marked by this. If you want to be used like this, if you're if you'd like to be used like this by the Lord, would you stand where you are? You don't have to stand. If you don't stand, it's fine. It may be new to you. But if you're here today and you want to be used like this in a new way, I feel like that I wasn't supposed to have you come forward. I want you to, and the reason I want you to stand, I want you to stand up in the middle of the people you're living with right now. You're, 
I want you to stand up in the middle of the people that are around you because this is the people, these are the people that God wants you to speak to probably right now. The people, most of my prophetic words are given to the people that I'm working with. Most of the prophetic words I get are from my wife and my children and the people that I get to, to live with and hang out with. And that's what's going to happen for you. Here's my prayer. I prayed this over you this morning. In the next three days that you're here, I want you to, on a regular basis in these next three days, say, Lord, what are you doing with the people around me? What are you saying to them? What are you doing with these people and how can I cooperate? And I want you to begin to step out. This this is a very safe environment. You're You're at desperation where we believe in the radical idea that God could speak and we can hear. We believe that without any hesitation, without any apology, we as a tribe of people at New Life and at Desperation believe that God is speaking and that we can hear Him and that we can respond to a speaking God. So you're in the safest possible environment right now for this to happen. You're in in the perfect place where there's worship and prayer and, and a pursuit of God. People all around you are pursuing God with you and we're all around us, we're praying together and pressing into God together. And I'm asking you right now in these next three days, would you do something that maybe you've never done before and just say, Father in heaven, what are you doing? How can I hear? How can I cooperate? Would you just lift your hands like this? I remember when I had someone pray over me and I I remember him asking me to do this. Brady, point your hands like this and like you're, you're coming in a receiving mode. The posture of receiving, the posture of taking in what God is saying. And I want you to just to listen for a moment. We're going to just be quiet just for a second. I want you to embrace the silence of this moment. And in the solitude and the silence of this moment, I want you to kind of clear away the clutter of your heart, clear away the clutter of your thinking and say, Lord, in a fresh way, maybe it's been a while since you've heard God speak to you. Maybe it's been a while since you've connected with the speaking voice of God, your listening ears connecting with his speaking voice. Let's just wait for the Lord this morning, just for a moment. Just keep your hands like this, your heart open. Okay, I feel like I have a word for someone today. I don't know. Oftentimes, I will uh, get like very specific words for very specific people. And other times, because of the nature of what I'm hearing God say, it's probably best that I'm not calling someone out. So this is a very, I have something very sensitive to say to you, okay? I feel like, I had a sense even when I walked in this morning, there may be a, a young lady here that's, you, I think you may be pregnant you, and you're concerned about it. You're, you're pregnant and, you don't, and you're terrified about it. And you're, you haven't really told anybody yet and you're here today. 
and you're at desperation and you are watching everyone else around you and, and but you've got this secret that you're carrying that you, you might be pregnant. You're wondering what to do. The world's telling you, the world's giving you options to do and you're already thinking through the options. What's next for me? And the world has given you a very clear way out of this. Get rid of it. I, w- I want to say to you, this is very serious. I think this is a life and death, what I'm saying. It is life and death, especially to the, b- the baby that you may be carrying in your womb. Listen very careful, okay? God loves you. He is fascinated by you. And while, and while you're carrying the shame, you're also carrying life. And your womb is a gift from the Lord. And it's designed to be used in the context of marriage. We all know that. But that's not, God's not here to shame you. God's here to give you hope. And this baby that you're carrying is precious in the sight of the Lord, just as you are precious in the sight of the Lord. And here's the word for you this morning, okay? Choose life. Please choose life. Please choose to give that baby life. You may not be able to give it a family, but if you'll give it life, we will give it a family. If you'll give it life, and if your local church won't help you give it a family, you come to our church, I'll help you get it, I'll give you the family. We, I'll promise you, if you'll choose life, I will help you find a family for it. But don't, don't choose death. Make, redeem this thing. Redeem this baby. Let this baby be what the enemy is meant to cause shame. The Lord has come today to give you hope and forgiveness. Choose life. Choose family. The Lord loves you. The Lord's grace is upon you. I, I, don't, I don't know who this is. The Lord hasn't given me, I'm not looking at any of you because I don't know. I'm just saying, I know this is going on right now in this building. And it might be that someone's watching online. It may be that, and I, I want to make this clear, it may not be someone in this building. This is being live streamed all over the world. It may be a young mom right now just watching us online. Or this may very well be a young mom who's going to hear this on podcast a year from now. There's all kinds of possibilities for how this word's going to be applied. It might be someone sitting in this room. It may very well be someone watching online. It may be someone that's listening to this podcast a year from now. But this word is very clear. There is a young girl who is found out she's pregnant. She's embarrassed. She's ashamed. She doesn't know who to tell anyone. But the Lord has said today, I have come to give you forgiveness and grace and hope. And I'm asking, the Lord is prompting you, choose life. Give it life. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Hey, I sure love you. God bless you. Pastor David.